Happy Labor Day weekend, everybody at Waters Church across all locations. We are so excited for this weekend for just one reason particularly, but let me just say a couple things. Labor Day is a day that we honor the value of work. And anybody who works knows that eventually you're gonna get paid for that work. It's actually a biblical principle. The workman is worthy of his hire. But the question is, what are you gonna do with that pay? And we have a class to help you understand how to handle that pay, that money that you're gonna make. It's called financial peace. We want you to take that class. It's gonna teach you how to handle God's money because it's all his. You have it for a season and you're gonna leave it behind when you're done living. How are you gonna do that? How are you gonna avoid the dangers and the traps of financial jeopardy in your life? The class is nine weeks. It's a small commitment that could change your life and pay huge dividends long-term for you and your family. So sign up today for financial peace and enjoy your Labor Day tomorrow. Now, one other thing. Next week, we start a new series called Power Up. A couple weeks ago, we had a power outage at Waters Church in North Attleboro. And it kind of reminded me how dependent we are on power to fuel our lives. Well, there are things that give power to our spiritual lives. And we're gonna start looking at those next week. So be here for that. Also, I'll see you on first Tuesday in our North Attleboro location. We're gonna have the choir. We're gonna pray for our Tiverton team going into the work of Jesus at our new and sixth location. So excited for that. I'll see you there. Prayer at six, 7 p.m. Word, uh, worship and word. But today, and this is what I'm really excited about, Brandon Braddock is in the house, missionary to Guatemala. This mighty man of God is going to preach the word to you. So everybody at all locations, let's put our hands together and welcome Pastor Brandon Braddock. Come on. Good morning. How are you? It's nice to see you. Happy Labor Day. Why don't we start out by welcoming everybody online. We want to welcome our campuses. Let's give them a round of applause. Apollo Beach, Woodensocket, and my family in Guatemala, bienvenidos. Nice to see you. Uh, I am so glad to be here today. I've missed you guys. Man, I miss this building. I miss the smiles. I miss English people. There's no English people in Guatemala. <laughs> no, there is a few. On my team, I kind of only have three, though, you know, so it's like when the missionaries came in uh, last week or two weeks ago, it was nice to have that encouragement of my Christian brothers and just see some people who love the Lord, but listen, I am so happy to be here today. I would like to embarrass my wife, Mrs. Mia Esposa Bonita, right over here. You want to stand up and wave? <laughs> I would like to stand here and give glory to God because he has taken a minister of unrighteousness and he's turned him into a vessel to be used for his glory. That's me. And I'm one of you. I'm just a member of Waters Church. I have a pastor too, Pastor Tim, just like you do. It's just that God put on my heart to leave you and to spread his good word across the earth. So we love our ministry out in Guatemala. Um, I actually miss it. I'm just one of those people who likes to work. I find peace in working. And God has just flourished everything that we're doing. And um, today I'd love to just tell you tons of stuff about it. But I'm actually here to close out the series, the Summer of Psalms. And I have one of my favorite psalms for you today. It's a short one. And uh, I'm glad to do it because 
My topic today for you is the glory of God. And I think I have a good word for you. Something that means a lot to me. It's the driving force that has made me leave you, leave my children, and go to the other side of the earth. So today, let me just give you a quick brief thing about what we're doing in Guatemala. So we have about 35 different things we do a week. Um, we are very busy. We start at 7 a.m. I have about a whole construction crew. We've built six homes or restored six homes so far. Uh, we have about 60 volunteers that work with us, help us. Sometimes they sweep the streets. Sometimes they pack food bags. Some, they, they're just open hands ready to serve the Lord for free. We have about a 10-person team on payroll. And I love what we do. I love our ministry. And we, we teach the good news of Jesus Christ to little niños, little children, orphans, whose moms and dads have left them, some of them for filthy reasons, some of them because they just didn't know how to take care of them. And we have a children's ministry with elementary, teen, we have a big teen ministry. They come out of the woods to come see us. It's awesome. We have an elderly ministry, and I love them. And we sing with them. Some of the songs we sing are when the saints go marching in. You know, we go old, old school with them. And every couple months, some of them pass away. But I know where they are because I've saved them. Not me, but my Lord. We've baptized them. We sprinkle water on their head because they're not able to go under the water. Um, we have an incredible prison ministry, which was the original reason I started to grow. This was going into the prisons, and you couldn't talk to Muslims, you know, with respect unless you had a, a beard. And I started the prisons here in America, and I launched it immediately in Guatemala. Just, um, it's just something that God has just put on my heart, those prisoners. And um, it's an amazing ministry. I see just grown murderers crying because they know their guilt. And they're hoping for some forgiveness, you know. So we give them that hope. Um, let's see. We, um, the, orphan, the orphanage ministry we have is amazing because the orphanages that we've been going to, not one of them has been saved. And today, 100% of them are saved. Isn't that amazing what God did? And we just got in a new orphanage. And the very first question I asked was, do you guys teach Bible? No. Are any of the children Christians? Would they identify themselves as Christians? I was told one. And I was like, good. There's an open door. How come here? What did the Apostle Paul say? I try to deliver the gospel where no man has preached before. Now, that's kind of hard because everyone's heard the name. But we try to, if you have the need for us, we come. But we try not to just go where we're not needed. So we love our ministry. Our new mission home has been three homes converted into one massive piece of property. And I think it sleeps up to 17, and uh, we are looking forward to having orphan children come into that place and preachers. So right now, we have a couple preachers um, ready to come into the prison ministry and preach with us. They were prisoners. There's just an amazing thing that's actually happening out there. The most important, though, is that I was sent out there with no experience. I've been taught through Pastor Tim's leadership classes. I've come here for years. I've learned a lot. I've read the Bible, learned a lot. I was faithful serving all over the church. But when I went to Guatemala, Tim didn't come with me. But Tim taught me and you every single week to chase the true shepherd, right? Says his name over and over, 
Jesus Christ, the shepherd of life. When I got to Guatemala, I found myself in prisons, up mountains, no talking experience. I only preached, I preached to you guys zero times when I became a missionary. I preached to you once so far. This is my second time. But God showed up with me, and he put a voice on my tongue, and he put words in my mouth. And he was able to teach me to remember all the stories that he's done for me. And I became a witness of his testimony in my life. So um, I'm excited. I got an awesome message for you today about the glory of God. My focus for you, because I'm a missionary, is going to be different than other people's. Mine's going to be to challenge you to give him your most valued commodity, your time. Think about it. Think about how valuable your time is and how much it means to you. And that, think about who you want to give it to and how worthy he is and place that at his feet. It doesn't have to be a missionary. I'm not here to tell you to leave your family. It doesn't even mean you have to be full-time anything, but you stop by considering the cost, the value, and you give him your time. Jesus said, except the man loses his life, he's never going to find it. And the happiest thing I've ever done was leave all, pretty much, all my friends, all my ways of life, where I went on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what I did, what I drank, what I smoked, all of it. And I found some of the glory of God that I'm excited to share with you. It's a secret of mine. It's what motivates me and moves me. And no matter what stage you're at in life, whether you're new to Waters Church, or you've been here for a long time, or you've never been here before, this message is for you. Let's start with the, def let's define glory. Something that secures praise. I love that one. Something that makes you want to sing a song. A distinguished quality, one that's different than everything else. A state of gratification or exaltation. When her daughter was born, she was in her glory. The height of prosperity, a great beauty, something, a great splendor, magnificence, the glory of Rome back in her day, the glory of Greece. The main purpose, though, today, because I only have a limited time to talk to you, and I did this study for about 100 hours, taking every keyword of the Bible, glory, and going into it, and I just was blown away. But today, I want to share something with you that I think is the biggest number one thing about his glory. And I want, to, I want to tell you that at the end of the sermon. And it's not Jesus, because it's about his glory, okay? So it can't be him, it's about his glory. And it's not the cross. If it was all about the cross, then I would tattoo the cross all over my whole body. You know, we would go to heaven and Jesus would have this room of a thousand crosses. The cross, we know it took place on the cross. And I want to teach you that purpose. I want to teach you that glory. If I said to you, one of my employees, and they said, what do you love about Brandon? And he's like, well, he pays me on Friday. I know I pay on Friday. I know you need the money. I know your whole family uses the money. I know that's your lifestyle, the money. But is that what I could get from you if you were my employee? Glory needs to be a height of achievement. The glorious splendor, the magnificence of Jesus. We gotta, I want to try to get to that with you. To, in order to jump into God's glory, I'm just going to look at man's glory for just one minute. I'll start with my life. So if you ask me, 
what do you think is the glory of your life? You know, your glory days. I don't really think it's like the height of the most amount of money I made. I probably would go back to my childhood. I would probably say it was just when I was young, and I just remember those days where my mom would kick me out of the house. She'd kick all of us out of the house. We couldn't even come back until dinner. That's it. I just learned how to fight, play basketball, street hockey, football, everything. I, just, like, I didn't even need a high school for a sports team. I learned it all on the streets. And then after dinner, we screwed right back outside. We stayed there till 10 o'clock. It was just it was dark. We came in, went to bed. And I just, we were poor. So we had hand-me-down clothes, you know? Hand-me-down, down, down. So what do you do with that? You take scissors, you start to chop it up. And I would chop my stuff. I would chop my shirts, wrap them around my head so the American flag was here. I cut my shorts, my sleeves, everything. And I loved those days. I loved Bruce Springsteen, 1985. I was 11 years old. And I love his song, Glory Days. Glory days, glory days, yeah, they'll pass you by. <laughs> glory days, glory days. In the wink of a young girl's eye, glory days. Probably the shortest chorus of any song. But Bruce, in his autobiography, Born to Run, said, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I was like, wow. I believe in his power to save and love, but not to damn. I don't participate in my religion. I kind of expected that. But I know somewhere deep inside I'm still on the team. I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting. I started to think about that Christ doesn't have the power to damn. And... And I thought about it. I'm seven years old. I know that I'm going to hell because I knew how bad I was. And my mom taught me about Jesus. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, hell was for me. I wasn't offended about that because I understood hell actually wasn't made for me. Hell was made for Satan and his followers. But I knew my mom told me about Jesus and he died and I just believed. So I asked him to be my savior, save me from hell. I started glorifying God at a young age because I, I, I understood one of his distinguished qualities. He saved me from a bad place. Revelations 1 says Jesus holds the keys to death and hell. That's a distinguished quality. My Jesus is strong. See, the Bible says give to God strength and honor and glory. And I give him that strength. He holds those keys to death and hell. But I also understood the glorious splendor of him and he secured my praise. I was a little child. My mother told me that I would sing louder than everybody in the church, you know. And I would tell all my family they're going to hell they smoke cigarettes. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't a preacher, you know. I asked a girl, what do you think Gloria is? And she says, can you rephrase the question? I think many of you, if I asked you, what is the glory of God, the magnificence? You'd be like, oh... So I rephrased it, and I asked her again. She said to me, oh, nature, I love science, water, sunrises, sorry. I love the ocean, I love farm animals. Who loves farm animals? Everybody loves farm animals. Okay, it was my wife. I can't go talk to another girl about this question. I asked my wife, but what exactly is the glory of God? What is it in relation to the bad? See. It's so easy to sing the songs, long you're glorious, and, and I just found the new wife, I'm so happy. That's great. Where is he in the bad? Why is this a burden for me? Well, I'll tell you why. Because when darkness comes and trouble comes, we blame him and we leave him. And that's why it eats me up. And 
I want to read this verse to you. Psalms 145. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. What kind of acts? Your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. There's the strength. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. David said that. Can you name me ten things about his glorious splendor? Most people who call themselves Christians have no idea about the glory of God or what the heights, the highest things of his achievements are. So point number one, I grow in Christ when I come to appreciate the glory of God. I'm convinced that we don't actually understand the glory of God because we diminish it. We remove the value of it. I was on my way to church. It was raining out and... God stopped the rain and my hair didn't get wet. You know, glory to God. I hear this all the time when people tell me about his glory and I'm like, that's not my father's glory. But a little often, whose mom and dad left them, guys, we have orphans pregnated by their own fathers. And you say, where's the glory in that? I'll tell you where it is. He brings the solitude in that family. He sanctifies that girl before she even knows his name, sets her apart in hope of life, which is Jesus, the true hope of life, surrounds her with his missionaries and his pastors, his shepherds, and starts to teach this girl, you know what? Let me tell you about another father who experienced shame like you. When I went to an orphanage and every girl was a disaster and we, we saved and baptized every single girl I had a message to preach to them, but when I showed up, Jesus showed up with me. And I ended up giving them an incredible message about him. Just came right out of my mouth. This man hung on a cross naked, not clothes. They divvied up his clothes. And he was disgraced and shamed. They laughed at him, spit him, spit upon him, and mocked him. You see, these girls think that they're actually some of the culprits in this situation. We don't understand the glory of God because we diminish it. Point number two, I grow in Christ when I enjoy God's glory and I want to enhance it. When we remove the value of his glory, this is what we do. Listen to this really quick. We mistake him. We mistake who he is, his world, your world, his wonder, his word, his power, his jealousy over you. He's a jealous God, just so you know. His strength, his goodness. Don't forget about his wrath and his justice and his opinions, what makes him happy and not, what gets him angry. And I wish it stopped there, but it didn't. We mistake our purpose. And then we mistake his purpose with us. We mistake the order of our own home. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord and our home doesn't serve the Lord. And we don't put his music on in our home. And we don't talk about him from when we wake up till we go to sleep. Then we mistake the order of his house. And that's why some of you are online and you're not in here. I'm not talking to the sick ones who can't come in or the, someone who doesn't have a car. But some of you don't understand the glory of God. You diminish it. And then you diminish so many other things. You're not in this house. Then we mistake his eternal house up in heaven. And then we mistake his salvation, how to get into that house. And we create this ridiculous amount of stuff, how our good works can help us get into heaven and blah, blah, blah. When we remove the value of his glory, we remove the value of the way that he thinks of us. Listen to this real quick. 
in Isaiah 45. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, of Israel, my chosen, I summon you by name, and I bestow on you a title of honor, though you didn't even acknowledge me. I am the Lord. There is no other apart from me. There is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not. Here it is again. You haven't even acknowledged me. Now I see a big gap between mankind and my father, okay? I had to see this because I had to see where I fit in. I had to see what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's going to do, and where do I fit into this story? Before we did a single thing, he loves us, chooses us, sets us apart for himself, calls us his own, gives us a title of honor. What is, what is this title of honor? You have to think when you, when you read scripture. The Bible says a wise man, his eyes are in his head. What title of honor? I'm a Christian. I bear the name of Christ and who I am. That's my identity. I am a missionario por Jesucristo. I'm a missionary for Jesus Christ. We get our titles through him. He chooses us. That's why many of you are here. He's drawing you to himself. What did you do for him? Nothing. And Jesus says, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep with no pastor, no shepherd. Romans 3, there's none righteous, none that truly seek him. You say, well, you seek him, pastor. You did 100 hours on that Bible study. Sometimes I pray to God and fall right asleep. <laughs> I read my Bible and I start to daydream. There is none that truly seek him. I want to seek him. My flesh Sometimes doesn't want to, but my soul loves to, and I fight my soul and my flesh. And, but there's none that truly, truly seek him, or we'd all just forsake everything we have and just give every single penny to the poor. No, no, no. The Bible says he knows our frame, and we're like dust. Why does this make me want to glorify him? Because when I offered him nothing, he gives me everything. If you don't ask to see his glory... You're not going to be able to see that it's on display everywhere. When I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. It's in the death. It's in the divorces. It's in the solitude. What does he do? He brings solitude to this church, right? He brought solitude to Hope of Life. No missionaries have come down to Hope of Life in two years, maybe seven, eight groups. But that's not what it used to be. It used to be 400 people a week. Now there's nobody because of covid he brings desolation to his whole earth. And if you don't think he's in control of all this, and you don't understand, he's governing, seeing, hearing everything. And you think, oh, I'm going to remove some power from him. This is the CDC's fault. This is the president's fault. And you'll start to blame other people. Point number four, I grow in Christ when I ask to see his glory. See, if there was just glory in beauty, like the ocean, and there was just glory in farm animals, which we all love farm animals, why would we blame him and then leave him? We wouldn't. We blame him, and we leave him because when the darkness comes into our life, we blame him for everything in the disaster, and we actually think he forsakes us. Isaiah 45 so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, I want people to know that there's none besides me. I bring, I am the Lord and there's no other. I form light, I create, say it, darkness. 
I bring prosperity. I create disaster. He's not saying somebody else does it. He's putting himself there saying, I do it. Does it get me angry? No. Let's me know he's in control. What is your gospel? What is the gospel that we preach, you know? The Apostle Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. What is the gospel? Beauty from ashes. Proclaiming good news to the poor. They have no money. They can't even afford food and drink, and he's trying to get them this good news. And the orphans and the abandoned people. Healing who? The brokenhearted. How does that feel when your heart gets broken? Setting who free? The oppressed, the prisoner, those bound in chains, mental chains. Creating light from darkness. When he's doing these things, he's not trying to draw you from the poverty, draw you from the ashes just because of the event that's taking place, like the divorce or whatever. He's drawing you to himself. And I want your eyes to see this glory, how much he cares for you. Point number four, I'm just reminding you, I grow in Christ when I ask him to see his glory. Let's say a quick prayer. Lord, Moses asked to see your glory. And Lord, you said, if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ should shine unto them. And today, Lord, I'm asking for your glory. I'm asking for your glorious gospel of Jesus to be seen in this house right now in the next few minutes. Reveal yourself, your son, your love to us. In Jesus' name. Our passage for today to close out the Summer of Psalms is on Psalms 46. It's a very small one. Most Psalms are. If you've never read the book of Psalms, you really should. It's a beautiful book. And let, let's, I'm going to read something to you real quick. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength. Let's skip down to verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. They're either talking about the river that went through Jerusalem that supplied their water, or they're talking about the river in Revelations that goes right to God's throne. But either way, the holy habitation of the Most High. That's what makes me think it's Jerusalem, the city of David. God is in the midst of her. She won't be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Okay, so we're talking about an event here in the next morning. And then he says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. And down in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. So we take that plaque, we put it in our house, and I'm guilty too. I put the plaque in my house way before I knew what it was about. I was just like, hey, be still and know that I'm God. I like peace, you know. It was much deeper than that. To understand what I'm trying to get at with this Psalms, I want to take you to understand the author really fast, which is God. And I want you to understand this word glory as we unpack it. Jeremiah 9.24 says, If any man glories, let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That was my verse. That's what got me through all the years here and all my faithfulness and all my troubles and everything, the ups and downs, and eventually to pack my bags and move my life to a thirsty and a dry land was because I, 
I had this passion. I need to know who you are. I was very confused at one point in my life. And God did this to me to make me search him. He said, seek me with your whole heart. You'll find me. <laughs> Hearts are so little anyways and they're dark. But he was like, seek me with the heart that you have. You'll find me. And Moses was the first one to ask to see his glory. I personally think Moses wanted to see God. He's like, hey, show me your glory. I think he wanted to see Jehovah. But God's like, you want to see my glory? Okay. I'll be merciful to who I want to be merciful to. That's not seeing his glory. Well, it is. I know this now. You know what? You want to see my glory? I'm going to be gracious to who I want to be gracious to. These are deep thoughts. I'm not here to unpack them with you. But I want to get you to this point. I'm going to do mighty acts, and the whole world is going to see them. And all the nations are going to see them. And what does he do? He brings in, just to, just to redeem his people, he brings in locusts and lice, and the water turns to blood, and he kills Pharaoh's child and, and um, frogs, and all these things that took place. And, and the people are trying to take over, well, keep the children of Israel as slaves. And what does he do? He splits the Red Sea, murders all those people, kills the whole entire army. Judaism is born. He starts to teach them structure, how to be clean, how to eat good food, what not to eat. He starts to feed them from manna. He starts to give them water from a stone. He starts to defend them so that he can be the feeder of them. He can be the provider. He can be the one who defends them. What does he do? He increases their land. That was his number one thing, remember? The promised land. We're all going to the promised land, 400,000 of them through the desert. And here comes the stab in the heart. He wants, he desires to be their king. They want a man, and it all crashed. You guys know, if you pick up any piece of literature, the ending of that story. He gives them the desires of their heart. They remove the value of his glory, and they remove the value, therefore, of what he thought of them. He loved them. Those were his chosen people. He said it so many times. Um, that he was like a hen that just wanted to gather the chicks into his arms. Let's jump back into Psalms 46, where he talks about, be still and know that I'm God. Psalms 46 is written by the sons of Korah, gatekeepers. Korah was Moses' cousin. A thousand years before, Moses' cousin Korah tries to do a revolt against him. What does God do? Opens the earth and eats them all. This is the height of his achievements, just so you know. The, the sons of Korah, Samuel was a son of Korah. The sons and sons and sons scroll all the way down to B.C. 500, and they're writing the psalm. It's the same sons. It was their grandfathers that got swallowed. And I'm going to skip through a lot of my notes because I want to close this up with you. That the city of Jerusalem is surrounded the king of Assyria is taking over country after country after country, and he's killing everybody, undefeated. He just got done conquering Samaria. He's coming right down. The king of Hezekiah doesn't want to keep giving him tax money and gold and silver, and, and the king Hezekiah goes to the prophet Isaiah, and he's like, listen, this guy is just going to take us over and kill us, and 185,000 people are surrounding Jerusalem. I'm the type of person, when I read scripture, I don't know, I have one of those cartoon brains. I just jump in. I can see it all, touch it, feel it, smell it. What are they thinking? I hear a noise in the middle of the night, and I jump out of bed. What are these guys hearing when 185,000 people are just doing stuff outside your walls? They had to be petrified. And Hezekiah is like, Lord, if you don't come down and save us, we're going to die. 
the Bible says not a thousand angels came down, but one angel came down, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, Genesis 16, 21, 22, Exodus 3, Judges 2, 5, 6, uh, Samuel 24, Zechariah 1, 3, and 12. There's one angel in the Bible called the angel, and there's a bunch of angels and cherubims and seraphims and all that other stuff. But one angel came down. And the Bible says that one angel slew 185,000 people. And I studied five styles of sword fighting. I love swords and blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying to myself, like, was he just spinning? Did he just say a word and everybody dies? Did he, was he like smacking shins? I'm like, no, he would put it right through the heart. He would chop the head off. I think that one angel, personally, I think he drew a sword on 185,000 individual men, personally. I think he was moving. The Bible says, give glory to the Lord. Give him strength. Stop thinking he's weak. You want to know why I love the prisoners? Probably because they don't want to follow that Jesus because he was spit upon, mocked, laughed at. You know, punch him in the face. Hey, give me the other cheek. Punch this one too. That's not my God. My God hung on that cross. He was beaten, whipped, and all that stuff happened late at night till 9 o'clock in the morning. 9 o'clock in the morning, hung on a cross. He's dead by 3 p.m. That's the last time anyone ever do that to him. He was weak for 10 hours. He's not weak. You have to picture this battlefield. They get out of Jerusalem, they walk outside the next morning. They don't know who killed these people. Isaiah's with them. Isaiah wrote in like chapter 46. It doesn't matter. But he's like, the Lord Jehovah will fight for you. You will be silent and he will fight for you. They were silent. He did all the fighting. And that was B.C. 500 when they wrote the psalm. 100 years later, God goes silent with the Jews for 400 years. And he shows up again. The angel of the Lord showed up again in the womb of a virgin named Mary. Espoused, espoused to a young Jewish boy, Joseph. And that angel of the Lord in the womb of Mary was not son of Joseph, my friend. He was son of God. Now he's hanging on a tree in the same city that he just defended. The same people he just killed everybody for are killing him. He's not there to kill another group of 100,000. He's there to kill himself. And it pleased the father to crush him. Psalms 22, he poured out his life as an offering. Why? All he wanted to do was to show them, number one, how glorious he was, how important and valuable they were. He wanted to secure a people for himself, but they don't want him. They don't want to give him what? Their time. We ain't giving you a minute. 168 hours a week. We ain't gonna read your book for a minute. We're not going to pray to you for two minutes. We'll go to church for an hour, but that's it. We won't go to that small group, though, for the hour. But maybe we'll help out in the parking lot for a half hour. Guys, he wants your time. 
I told you at the beginning of the message that I wanted to display one of the biggest things for you to bring him glory. The greatest thing, in my opinion, and it wasn't Jesus, and it wasn't the cross, and it wasn't the blood. Your father's not a vampire. He doesn't like to drink blood, although he poured his blood out for you. The biggest thing, in my opinion, after being his missionary, is you. The whole story of him dying on a cross is for you. He creates you. He wants you. His glory is on display for you. He wants to brag about his love for you. The Bible's not about you. It's about him. But the story's about you. It's his story. You run from him. He chases you. He wants to bring you back to him. You did nothing for him. He does everything for you. And he wants you the way you are. It's in his names. What's his name? The everlasting father. Father of who? Father of you. What's the point of being a father if it's not about you or it's not about you? It's, it's father of you, father of you. And he's the shepherd of who? You. He's the protector of you. He's the defender of you. He's the Lord of you. It's about you. Widows, he wants to be the husband of you. Those of you far from him, he wants you to come back. New Christian, he wants you to follow him. He can bless you. And you're not a Christian. He desires you. He wants you. You don't want to see this because you just want to live your best American life. But he wants you to recognize him for his distinguished qualities. He wants to secure your praise. I love it when I come to this church and I see some of you guys not singing. I love it. I don't know why. You don't have a song. I didn't have a song for years. <laughs> I wouldn't dare sing a song here. I didn't want someone to see me. And eventually he secured my praise and I started to sing to him. Then I remembered he captured me as a little child. And I used to love to sing his praises, but I went so far from him. And he pulls me back. The whole thing is about me. And I'm not saying that in an off-balanced way. But he wants you to learn more of him. He wants you to read about his heights of achievement. Read his Bible. Read his word. Or don't. But at least I told you you ought to. I'm here to preach you his good news. It's for you to accept it or not. He wants to bring you to a high state of exaltation. And he wants you to glory him. When you read the scripture and you see what he was doing back then, you can see what he's doing now. You gotta read these stories, guys. My sermon in a sentence. When we understand how valuable we are to him, we can properly grow in our love for his glory. And we can discover the joys of this life that are found in Christ. Listen, I'll give you a secret. He doesn't want you to get this relationship with him so he can give you that home in heaven and have eternal life. He wants to give you that life now. It starts now. It's this life. That I can't, I, don't, I didn't really want to come up here and brag and tell you guys tons of stories on Guatemala. I don't like that. I wanted to brag to you about him. But I want to share one thing with you. That at the heights of the glory that I felt from him, this is the honest truth. I felt that if I died and saw him face to face, it couldn't get better because I'm already seeing him. I'm seeing him with right here. He's speaking next, standing next to me, speaking. He's guiding me. I, you know, we were out there by ourselves, guys. It was just me, and then my wife came out, and I, and I just started out hiring one guy, and, and thank God for his faithfulness. He's watching us now. But my shepherd showed up, and I love his glory. I'm going to just challenge you to give him your time. Come on mission trips. They're fun. They're good. 
But Pastor Tim has taught you you were made for so much more. What if I went on a mission trip, which I did, and I just was like, hey, that was awesome. I'll throw it on my Instagram. I'll do it again. What if that's all I did? But I was made for so much more, and he taught me to move, and he taught me you can't stay here and don't believe those five lies of the devil. You guys better be thankful for your pastor because God gives you shepherds after his heart, not yours. You didn't pick them just so you know. And I'm going to close with this one story, and we're done. For years, I sat in this house. started in the back, came to the front. And I love the glory of God. That's me. Love it. And the music would start. We could start some music, actually. Oh, you're already playing? Yeah, you are playing. <laughs> but he would start the music. And you want to know how the glory fell on top of me? I didn't speak in tongues. But he came over me and he said, you rotten rotten person you see I was a profaner of the name I was a blasphemer of the name and he's like you rotten person you wicked 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 person every time the music came on but I still came back to church every week I just didn't talk to nobody I would come in with my sins in my backpack and I had to listen to this good news that there was hope for me but I had to listen to his voice, and his voice was an old baby, Brandon. You know, you've been through so many bad times, and I know it's another pastor's fault from the church you were at. No, he was just like, you wicked, wicked person. And the tears would fall, come down my eyes for like, no lie, six straight years, never missed a single Sunday. They were just poor, all three songs. Finally, I heard this voice that said, I've loved you your whole life. See, the Bible says, to those who have many sins forgiven, they love much. Be thankful, some of you guys, the darkness you're living in right now. Because he could have saved you at five. He could save you at 70. That's why this morning when I came to church, I met a little boy in the back. looked like he was six. I just wanted to go over and say hello. His mom started to tell me something about him. I said, just so you know, this boy's sanctified. He's set apart. God could have grabbed him at 80, grabbed him at five. I love that. All my little orphans that have been pregnated and on and on and on, they are set apart by my Father. Come on in. We'll get you healthy. We'll get you healing. We'll teach you about good and right and bad and wrong and all that. But I preach him Jesus. I didn't even know what to preach him. I just got to teach you about my Father. And I want you guys to stand with me now. We're just going to bow our heads and close out. Some of you guys have never given him your time. And I just want to challenge you as we leave. You can change all that. You might be a Christian for a long time and you still don't give him your time. You're in here new and you're like, should I, should I give my life to this Jesus? And you don't know much about him. So you read the book. You, sorry. You judged him without reading the book. And I'm here to tell you that all he wants is you. He is Lord. He will be glorified as Lord. Someday he, every single person will stand before him they will bow their head, they will bend their knee, and they will confess that Jesus is Lord. It's just that some of them will be cast out of his presence. But they will confess it because he promised it. He will demand that glory, but I'm telling you, if you want to receive his glory, now you can. And you can bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to say a prayer. You can receive Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord, but he's the son of God. Make no mistake about it. 
hereby commend me the love of God that he laid his life down for you. It was Jehovah. Make no mistake about it. His name's in the Old Testament 6,800 or 5,000 times. It was him who came into that Virgin Mary for you. And if you want to receive him now, I'm going to say a prayer. You can pray it after me. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. And I ask you to come into my life and save me from my sin. I believe in the cross. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. But today I want to become a child of yours. I want to stand in front of you someday. My sin's not to be remembered no more. I believe wash me clean make me a child of God I want to follow you I want to give you my time I want to be born again and I want to live with you forever and someday I will see you face to face save my soul in Jesus name